Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Delicious Podcast with me, Julie Smith. And this week, I'm with this year's winner of MasterChef, Irini Georgioglu. As we sat and chatted in busy London town, and I asked her to tell me what for her tastes like home, she took me on a wonderfully nostalgic trip back to her grandmother's kitchen in Crete, where nose-to-tail cooking was an essential part of the culture. My early memories of food and my grandmother's huge kitchen, really, um, you may think it's really strange, but they all have to do with using everything of a pig. And and why I was thinking about this recently, and I thought this is actually a wonderful uh, memory, and I want to hold on to it because it so resonates now with the nose to tail philosophy. Zero waste. Yes. Yeah. So before I became aware of all this now as a very serious effort on behalf of chefs, restaurateurs, uh, the awareness of sustainability, I had these memories of my grandmother utilizing everything of a pig. Um, and the thing that was, um, uh, you know, in my head was the, the smells, the activity, um, all the processes... But now I'm much, much happier that I can link it to something modern, to something contemporary. We're talking about, you know, 50 years ago yeah. when I experienced that. So it, did that feel a little bit sort of old-fashioned before? Oh, totally. Yeah. It was seeing what I thought was an old woman. Yeah. Of course, she wasn't that yeah. old. <laughs> Um, probably younger than I am now, <laughs> dealing with a pig that was reared all year, and, you know, would rear this pig and we would aim it to be eaten at Christmas. First of all, something that didn't exist in those days, you know, I was a child, there was no sentimentality. It wasn't the pig my pet. Yeah. The pig was reared to be eaten. Yeah. We were all very clear about that. But when the time came for it to be uh, killed and butchered and eaten... Uh, everything had to be used and women in those days my grandmother knew how to use everything and nobody had uh, well perhaps she had seen her mother Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure she did but there were no books there were no recipes there was no TV but did she live in the city or did she live in a village I mean was there a sort of a communal recipe sharing culture uh, well, women would be talking, of course, about, oh, you would go into somebody's house, you'd be offered little biscuits or something. That, plus, we used to take food to neighbours. Yes. 
so you would even exchange recipes of savory food because that was the culture or you would take food to somebody who wasn't very well yes. or definitely very small communities everything was shared yeah. so yes the knowledge was shared but as a little child to see a woman process a, a pig that was probably you know 100 kilos and and start uh, treating the feet and and the head and the rest of the body and come up with all these goodies that we would then eat sometimes for months yes. because they had to be processed some of it in in sausages to be smoked in front of the fireplace yeah. or some would uh, you know be in aspic yeah. and i was looking recently at a recipe of aspic in the cretan way and it was shaped in a beautiful mold and it looked like a cake like yeah. a tart a beautiful dish and uh, it brought back some really lovely and warm memories and feelings this so i also grew up on having to eat just about everything in an animal um but i didn't like the taste of it tell me how your grandmother was making it tasty it must have been so much more delicious than the brawn that i had i love it to this day i i think it's the most delicious thing first of all i mean it's such a long process um apparently the secret of the aspic working in that particular dish that I was thinking about uh, on the way here, is that there must be no blood whatsoever in the in the meat. Yeah. So this was a very long process. People had patience and they gave food the time. But then, of course, food was revered. You know, it would feed the whole family, which was large, and the people working in the fields and passers-by who were hungry and were coming to the priest's house. So it was a very serious business, and it had to take its time. Yeah. So the meat would was be your, soaking. Was your, was your grandfather a priest? He was. Oh, okay. Yes. So the house was always full yeah. of visiting people, and the the meat would be soaked in water for hours and hours to make sure that there was no blood left yeah. in the meat. And which cut are we talking about? Uh, feet and head. Okay. Uh, because they've got the gelatin. Yeah. The jelly. So after the, the intense uh, washing, it would cook very, very slowly for many hours. So depending on the quantities, maybe up to five hours. Yeah. Um, it, until the meat was coming off the bone. Yeah. And then it would be chopped in little bits. Um, the liquid, the, the stock, yeah. would need to chill overnight yeah. to separate from the fat. Yeah which fat, of course, was delicious. As a child, I remember freshly baked bread coming off the wood-burning oven, which was communal. So if a woman took the trouble to light, uh, to, to, to light the wood and uh, make an oven hot enough to bake, it would never happen for one dish. It would happen because uh, suddenly the neighbors would know and uh, oh, Irini, my grandmother, the same name, Irini is baking today, so what can we make to take to her oven? Mm. So everybody would know this. So it's a very efficient use of the heat. Everything. And the time and the energy. Yes, and very often people would chip in and they would take a little bit, it would be a bit of bartering going on because they would take a little bit for that day's meal in the evening. so the next day the fat would be taken off and preserved because that would be used all winter, uh, but particularly on hot bread as breakfast, you know, for us children. Um, and then the rest of the stock would be boiled again, this time to be mixed with 
the bits of meat and, and even the ears of the pig would be used. Now, first of all, of course, she had to shave everything. In those days, they shaved the little feet. and uh, So I'm talking about the whole day. And for me as a child, it was totally fascinating. I didn't want to go out and play. I wanted to watch my grandmother, see what she's doing with this animal, with this huge thing. And of course, it would only happen once a year, really, wouldn't it? Yes. And so it's a big deal. Oh, huge deal. And um, the, the process of making the sausages, which then would hang for days in front of the fireplace, and the smell. Now, you ask me how it would be made tasty. Yeah. Well, in the aspic dish, in, it's called pichti in Greek, which actually means set, because of all the gelatin, you know, the dish mm-hmm. sets. Uh, you would put a lot of um, acidity from citrus fruit. Ah. So you would put the juice of um, oranges, you would put the juice of uh, bitter oranges and lemon, and a lot of pepper, salt, it takes a lot of salt pork for some reason, and um, beautiful cumin. So and, and bay leaves, no garlic. no garlic. In fact, in Greek food, we didn't actually use garlic that much. So traditionally, certainly when I was growing up, garlic wasn't used that much. Lots of onions, lots of aromatics because we had them growing in pots outside. And the climate is fabulous for things like uh, aromatics. I hate paying money here for supermarket bought, you know, basil and. Uh, you just go out to your courtyard and you pick what you need. Yeah. Um, and you pick what's there, don't you? Exactly. Yeah. And what is in season. Yes. To this day, in fact, and I love this about Crete, being an island, I mean, some big supermarkets and, and because of the sophistication of us all these days, you know, there is demand for, um, you know, uh, limes, which are not uh, indigenous. Yeah. Uh, in the middle of winter. So you find limes in the supermarket, but the majority of the people will still eat what they grow. Yeah. And you can only grow what is in season. Yeah. And yeah. I find that incredibly healthy. I found it amazingly exciting as a child because I couldn't wait for the first black grape because black would show you the ripeness. I wasn't interested in the blonde grapes because you could never tell which one was ripe, but the black grapes, you could tell because of the color. So I would go to the vineyard, which was closer to our house, on a daily basis in July and August, waiting to find that first black grape to eat. And the joy of that. Um, The same with the first watermelon Mm. and everything that was in season, you know, cherries, strawberries. Yeah. I mean, you can tell that you're passionate about food. You've always been passionate about food. Do you think you have to be that passionate to win MasterChef? Uh, It helps. (laughs) It helps because passion drives you. And um, I prepared a lot for MasterChef. Now, I don't know if I would have done the same if I was younger. I might have used a little bit more bravado and a little bit, you know, the daring aspect of one's personality when one is young and thought, yeah, I'll give it a go, I'll give it a go. But at my age, I think I took it quite seriously and I thought, okay, 
I want to go, but I want to survive the first few rounds. I want to showcase the food. If I want to make an example of what it's like to try and succeed at my age, I have to survive to be able to do it. Um, it's a wonderful role model, isn't it? I'm so pleased that, you know, it, it, and men, on many, many programs, look at Mary Berry, look at Prune Leaf, the, the older woman, it's our time, isn't it? it you know, it's it just about being good at what you do and yes. going and getting it. Absolutely. And what I love is how it has actually resonated with many young people, boys and girls. I love it. I love to be stopped by young people to say, oh, I loved watching you with my girlfriend and we're discussing the food. And next time we'll go to Crete, we're going to... That gave me more pleasure than if somebody of my age told me that because that I would consider normal. Mm. But actually to inspire from uh, uh, my step-grandchildren yeah. who are very, very young yeah. and a, they want to wear their up. apron and, and, yeah. and, and try and um, work at it and yeah. absolutely I love that. Yeah, well done. What now for you? What about a book? Ah, uh, yes, I am talking to someone about a book. Again, I can't wait to write uh, the kind of food that I found inspired people. Uh, lots of people are telling me that... Um, I showed Greek food in a way that they didn't expect it possible, but accessible also. And I actually love the... I get very excited with the idea that I can tell people, actually, there are very simple tricks you can do to make it look master (laughs) chef-y. And it's not that hard. You just need to add a few more ingredients and how you put it on the plate. and, and, And I think the teaching aspect I will enjoy. Well, good luck with the book, and I'll catch you when it's out. We'll have another chat there. Thank you very much. I look forward to it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Delicious Podcast. I'll be back next week with author Veronica Henry and Diana Temperley, whose World and Somerset Cider Brandy inspired Veronica's new book, Home From Home. And you can follow my adventures on Instagram with the hashtag The Delicious Podcast. I'll see you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.